0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Just remember, today we have Birdie. Hi. We are unfortunately having to record this relatively late, so not most energy, but we'll fucking make it do. I guess. <laughs> Alrighty. Anything you got then? Hey, just. Right into it. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess we should do new-ish stuff first, since I guess it matters.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, relevancy.
1: Yeah. So, Promise Neverland. Ah, uh, yes. Have you read or watched this?
0: I have read a little over 100 chapters of it, yeah.
1: Okay, so you're almost up to date. I've read the first 60 or so, so i I guess if you know some plot twists that I don't, you may be able to tell from my description, but we can see. Okay. So, for those who don't know, Promised Neverland might be on Earth? Maybe? It's... I honestly... It's I don't weird. know. <laughs>
0: it is fucking... It, it is weird the way they describe it.
1: So Okay, so... It starts out in a bucolic country orphanage with a Love, a lovely uh, house nurse named uh, Isabella, I think, is her actual name. Yeah, but they just call uh, her mama. Everyone just calls her mama, so I, I forgot that for a while. Uh, everything's going great. Everything's happy. Children are playing. The Scott, The the grass is green. They have plenty of food to eat, despite being a overcrowded orphanage. Yeah, everything seems Everything's fine. Uh, the three main characters are... Uh, Ray, Norman and what's the girl's name Emma. I can't remember? Emma. And it was a Jane Austen name. Uh they are the eldest and they are kind of the ones that are held in highest regard amongst the children.
0: Yeah, at this orphanage um they every day they have tests. They have like they they, they don't go into specifics about what the tests actually are, but they put on headphones yeah. and then do like standardized tests or whatever. The three of them uh, constantly score the highest.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, uh, I'm not sure if this is explicit. This t- connection is explicitly made, but um, uh, th- these children uh, are of course looking for homes, as since they're orphans, and the ones who test the highest technically have the best chance of getting the best homes, but they don't necessarily get homes first. And yeah, we see it's... this when one of the youngest children, who I think is only six or seven. Uh, Connie, I think, is her name. Yep. Uh, We we see that she has found a home, and she's taken away to meet her new parents. Uh, Emma discovers that Connie has left her beloved bunny rabbit behind, and so she and Norman race to the gate to get there before she leaves. When they get there, they find a truck with uh, Connie's body with a rose in her chest, uh, some kind of flower in her chest, it looks like. Mm -hmm. I think. And then horrible monstrous creatures that I still don't know what they are. They call them demons, but I honestly don't know.
0: Yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. From there, it's
1: discovered that, uh, mama has been tasked with caring for children to essentially act as food for these monsters. And thus, Norman and Emma begin to plot their inevitable necessary escape from this place because they know they can't stay here or else they and all of their friends, friends and family will die the same way Connie did. And from there, the next 40 or so chapters are a rather in-depth planning and prison break attempt
0: yeah, that's, that's that's one of the weird things with this series. Like those, like those first, like that beginning is.
1: You could almost argue that that first forty chapters is a story in and of itself, and you could have just stopped there. But
0: it's yeah, been... yeah, it yeah, and then and once they actually get out into the world, it feels like a different story for a while, and then it develops into an entirely different story.
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess it's I guess it's technically a spoiler, but at, to talk about anything, we have to say they do escape at some point.
0: Yeah, uh, um, we, we should actually just say kind of kind of like spoilers for the manga and kind of blanket spoilers if you're just coming in from the anime, because the anime yeah, I mean, is new.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to talk about stuff too recent, because like I said, I'm like 50, 60 chapters behind, and this is a shonen thing, so it updates pretty regularly. Uh, speaking of which... What kind when did Shonen get the balls to put something like this out?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the weirdest thing about this about this entire fucking book is not the story not, in, not anything that's like actually happening it, it is the fact that it isn't Shonen fucking Jump.
1: Yeah, and the story I've heard is that um Attack on Titan was offered to Shonen Jump and Shonen Jump said no and <laughs> The the editors at Shonen Jump have seen how prolifically popular that what that sh- that series was. That um, they felt they needed to do something outside of their normal Jump oriented content comfort zone. Yeah, to so kind they, of fill a similar niche.
0: Yeah, so they went. The promise never landed. We can't study.
1: Yeah. But of the, t- I mean, of the two, I would say, like, I mean, I like we can't study, but I would still say of the two, Promised Neverland is the ballsier choice. Oh, absolutely! For a show, like, jump to make,
0: yeah, like, like, sh- like, like Promised Neverland. The uh, uh, it's essentially like, all right, so we have two options: we can go with the world God only knows or Berserk, but with children.
1: Yeah, but with the added uh, implication that unlike Berserk. The children are never powerful.
0: Oh no, the children are constantly like, fighting gu- uphill like guts,
1: battles. Yeah, like guts is immortal, is mortal mostly, but and he has and granted he has to fight stuff far beyond his means on a regular basis. So it's not like it's easy for him. But he has his own like physical strength, weapons, and knowledge that he can use to survive in the world that he exists in. Yeah. The kids have nothing.
0: Yeah, the kids. The kids have. I read a book about camping once.
1: Yeah, and there's some like BioShock-esque suggestions that this book author that they read William something uh William knows Minerva, more about. William Minerva knows a lot about the world that they live in that he was trying to send them through code and they're using his tips to try to survive out in this world where like trees eat people and demonic dogs are used as for like hunting parties and shit like that.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah
1: so and uh, to be fair i like this better than attack on titan yeah because like partly because i feel like this is like what it would happen if the writer of attack on titan had the shit smacked at him and told him write a character yeah because unlike because unlike aaron who is still the albatross across that series neck other than its plot reveals <laughs> uh a big problem with Attack on Titan is that I feel I never feel like that main character grows as a person. Not really.
0: Yeah, Aaron like, throughout like throughout his, like throughout the number of chapters of Attack on Titan I read before I just gave up. Aaron was from kind of beginning to end, just kinda of whiny shit boy, always going on about revenge.
1: Yeah, like, no matter what his perspective, how his perspective changed, no matter what information, new information he got, no matter what changed in his perspective, he was always basically the same thing, and he was the main character, the one we were supposed to follow. Yeah. So that was always kind of a problem for me, and maybe it was, maybe some people got past that and I just didn't, but I don't know. and But I always feel like uh, the main characters of the series are always growing, like, Ray in particular from where he started to where I even where I'm at now is a radically different character <laughs>
0: oh yeah and watching Emma grow from just being one of the more carefree like even, like even kind though, of even though she was like, like very intelligent she was still re- she' was still pretty absent-minded she was
1: naive yeah she was like hopelessly naive
0: yeah watching and, like, her a, watching her grow thing. into like into like a leader, the leader. yeah that has been that that, that was like well, that was one of the things that kept me going of like i just like seeing these kids forced to mature at, a, at an incredible rate that changed who they were changed how they viewed the world but never changed who they were at their core yeah yeah like the the, the yeah, writer on yeah. here has a really solid grip on like the the writer has a really solid grip on how he wants these characters to develop and what the world is?
1: Yeah, and I—I I feel like I need to say this. This I'm glad. I don't know if this comes back at any point later. It might, but uh, once they got out of the uh, orphanage, what I kind of silently said to myself: "Phew, no more Nazis." <laughs> because I know Japan likes to talk about the Nazis a lot, anyway, but. Um, the orphanage as a concept is the most explicit metaphor for the concentration camps I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like, down to the fact that, the, ma- that the, the, uh, ma- the, na- the Mama characters are, have you heard the term capo? Uh,
0: I've heard the term.
1: Uh, It's what it means is it refers to um, prisoners who were given positions of authority to keep other prisoners in line, to keep the system running the way it's supposed to.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's the mama. Yeah.
1: Like from the fact that she's like, this is how I survive. This is how I survive. What good does my death do to uh, uh, the, the numbers on her neck? Despite the fact that she has lived far longer than they're told any child lives the t- horrible things she's willing to do to the kids just to keep things running, even though she says this is still an act of love.
0: Yeah. They, they get a bit more into that in later chapters.
1: Okay. So they are, you're going to come back to some of the stuff with the way the orphanages work beyond where I get. Okay.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, like they, they get a bit more into the workings of how, like the, of how the mamas are chosen and, As well as some stuff for the boys. Like, essentially a boy version of the Mama that we don't really get a super deep look at. Okay. At at least from where I left off.
1: Fair enough. Well, I mean, I'm still enjoying it. I haven't read it in a little while just because I... Basically, uh... I came to I, the way I came to this series is I watched the first episode of the anime first, and I will say that the anime does a really good job of conveying visually and directorially the horror that shocks you with that first chapter. Like the first episode is just the first chapter, basically. No. And after that, uh, Cora basically said, "Birdie, there's a certain twist regarding Ray and Isabella. I want you to get to so that we can talk about it." So I basically just ended up reading all the way up to the prison break, which in, I, is what Cora wanted to talk about. And I was like, yeah, OK. <laughs> I mean, it was a twist. It just. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's
1: like, I mean, as I know we said spoilers, but I'm still trying to dance around some stuff without like just saying everything, because I do... Okay, a blanket recommendation, I do want people to read this, at least. Yeah. Maybe watch the first episode to get a sense if you want to read it, because I think that first episode's a pretty good if-you-like-it-it-will-hook-you situation. But beyond that, um, I am concerned with this anime's adaptation. (laughs) Because... Okay, so when you do a prison escape storyline, it has to be methodical. It has to be like very deliberately paced, has to show intricate details, it has to build up tension and key plot contrivances to make sure the story flows correctly. Um The pace jumps into light speed from because like I said, the first episode is just the first chapter. Um by the end of episode two uh the second mama
0: showed up <laughs> holy shit that that fucking motors man like i i know Cora mentioned i saw Cora mentioned on Twitter that uh that he that he was like that he was surprised at how much the fucking uh, at how much the second episode like crams into it for for like going into the thing but that is yeah, fuck, dude.
1: Yeah, and while I get that maybe they want they're pacing it that way because they don't want the whole first season to just be the prison break, which if they if they paste it would probably be a workable storyline. Oh yeah, totally, man. And, like, they might, if, if... and they they might not know if they have enough budget for a second season when they want to get to the stuff that Shonen is more known for. Because the thing about uh, the 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 prison break stuff is that after like the initial mention of the monsters, you don't really see or hear much of them until after they escape. Like there's Uh brief mentions and they talk about maybe some plot world building stuff, but there's not that much of like the monstrous shit in the prison escape arc. So they might be thinking if they rush through enough of the prison escape storyline, they can get to the more monstrous stuff that might sell merch as it were.
0: Which that well, is I, that is the wrong mindset to go into this.
1: I hope I hope I'm wrong about my assessment of why they're doing that, but I that seems like a reasonable because like uh, most anime are made these days as an excuse to sell merchandise because most of the money from the anime itself doesn't go to the production company; it goes to the television stations that broadcast it. So,
0: which that 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 system needs to be fucking looked at. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, it's a a symptom of the Japanese television systems were made, uh, stations were made during the height of the Zaibatsu era, where there were like three or four big companies that ran just about everything. And because of the fact that Japan still has like state-owned television stations a lot of the time, there's not much real sense that 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 system needs to change. And I just went off on a poli history argument that i didn't really mean to with this discussion that's
0: <laughs> ah, cool man that's just interesting and a it is apropos because you know we're talking about this and b when you said the zaibatsu era my first initial thought was the best friend zaibatsu which was then initially but was then immediately followed up by was heihachi involved in this
1: Honestly, just, some of what I've heard for, about some of the guys that have been the heads of one of those Zaibatsu companies, that probably wouldn't be much of a stretch.
0: Yeah, j- just like just like some dude from an anime production company is like, hey, can we maybe like pay our people? Like, can we get enough money to do that? And then Hachi just comes over and just fucking yeah. punches them off a volcano.
1: Yeah, like the heads at Kona- Konami are probably friends with some of those Zaibatsu <laughs> guys. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Those fuckers.
1: Hashtag fuck Konami.
0: Yeah, fuck Konami. They are jesus christ
1: but yeah uh i will watch uh, one thing i will say uh the illustration style in the manga sometimes bothered me a little bit
0: yeah most of it's good
1: it's it's it's, it's a real acquired
0: taste kind of thing
1: yeah it's sometimes it's too scratchy and um and this was another reason i brought up the nazi thing like in a in a series that was so explicit about like Final Solution metaphors. The somewhat... The second mama I mentioned is black. And... When Japanese people draw stereotypically black people, it can sometimes dip into... Sambo territory.
0: Yeah. Gets a and little I know, mammy.
1: And I know the reasoning for that is because... Mo- most Japanese people have never seen a black person and... For them, their their standard for black people is like American commercials from the forties and fifties. <laughs> oh
0: Christ. Oh man, we need to send that fucking can we like can we like airdrop them the wire?
1: <laughs> I don't know how it would do over there. It's it's a vision of Urban Decay that I don't think they'd ever understand.
0: <laughs> okay, so we'll do a quick edit of it, give Omar some like fucking anime cheeks.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean to do a bunch of like history shit, but it just came out in this discussion. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean,
0: it's it's what you are doing, and it is actually really interesting.
1: So, yeah, I will say that um, beyond the fact that I kind of like the pastel color palette they went with for a colored version of this series, which kind of makes sense, um, they toned down the more somewhat problematic presentations of some characters. So, and, and and it's not made cheaply. I will say maybe because it's a sh- a jump series, uh, the company that's making it is not cheaping out on it. And it's a animation company that I think Cora likes because it's the people that made um, uh, the series that he and I still have not had our explosive confrontation on yet. The bunny senpai thing. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, so it is Cloverworks.
1: Yeah, which I think
0: yeah, Darling and the Franks, Persona Five the animation, Bunny Senpai. I'm being sexually harassed I'm being sexually harassed by the sexiest man of the year.
1: What? I did not see that one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, it is uh Dikaichi. I'm being harassed about the sexiest man yeah. of the year. Which is a series based on a Yaoi manga.
1: Yeah, most of the stuff on their production list at least looks good. I, it's mostly, Most of these, it, it's just problems with writing or adaptation. Like Persona 5 was, like I said when I talked about it, it was like, wow, this is not going to cover the game at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, it will be in broad beats, the story of the game. But no one
0: goes to Persona for the broad beats. <laughs> yeah, you want the full scope. You don't want Cliff Notes.
1: So yeah, it does look good, and it's not cheaply animated, which sadly is the thing I have to always ask whenever we talk about um, anime. And even saying, "Well, it looks good," that's a low standard. This is the same season wise came out, so uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Fucking so it's Christ. not a
1: it's not a it's not a given that an anime will look good even with today's technology.
0: <laughs> no, that look fuck screenshots of goddamn why give me goddamn migraines.
1: Yeah. And it apparently doesn't do the thing that made people the most angry and the most head spinning from the, from handshakers, which was take that color palette and that level of poor digital integration and have camera zooms and, and digital pans across the screen. Oh, that sounds, that sounds nause- nause- nauseating.
0: <laughs> that sounds like my nightmare. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I've gone on too long about this one series, but I do, I do ultimately recommend you at least look at it. I mean, if for nothing else, just the novelty of a Shonen Jump horror series featuring small children that are powerless.
0: Yeah, it is a, it is a actually really, it is a really solid read that I am probably going to end up actually reading when it wraps up because it seems to be wrapping up in a reasonable number of chapters.
1: Yeah, and as ridiculous as some things have been in this, I will still take this
0: over Soma. Yeah, of course, of course, you fucking will. Soma, <laughs> what the fuck happened to Soma? <laughs> Soma, good God, Soma! It started out as a fun, offbeat battle manga with some likable characters and a protagonist who could be at times annoying and a bit Gary Stew, but ultimately pretty all right. Yeah it then morphed into yo suck food de- f- suck food jesus's dick to to yo we're fucking fighting food crimes. <laughs> with the ultimate to, with the with the ultimate fucking chainsaw cooking yes with the ultimate fucking battle seeming to be I am going to have like Soma is going to have to fight literally every chef in the world as immortalized by one man. Because the thing that they seem to be leading towards is this idea that the fucking lead bad guy, Saiba Asahi, his fucking uh, nega Soma. Yeah. Nega Soma is his (laughs) skill is whoever he beats in a cook off. He absorbs their power. Yeah. He's literally, he's literally nega Soma. Soma's whole thing is that like when he fights somebody, he gets new ideas that like help for, for further his cooking, but also like keeps them and puts them on the right track if they had fallen off. <laughs> meanwhile, he, meanwhile, his yeah. whole thing is, you know, I beat you and then you never cook again unless you work for me. Yeah. And what is it with so many of these fucking people just being super cool with giving up their knives?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's probably the same mindset that says, you know, it'd be a great way to uh, great chocolate chainsaw
0: word. <laughs> it's like, hey, this I was like, mm, this chocolate tastes like gasoline and oil. Delicious. <laughs> That's why she fucking lost. Like, I, I like ridiculous
1: shit and. I was willing to defend some of the more ridiculous shit Soma did in the past. But at this point, I'm just exhausted trying to read it. I'm going to read it to the end just to see how it ends. Yeah. But I can't defend it anymore. Yeah. I'm just... Basically,
0: anybody who's still reading Soma is running off of a momentum. Yeah. Just... If this makes it into any of those fucking surveys that Shonen Jump does, I have to believe... Like for my soul, I have to believe that they're just fucking putting like, like people are still voting for this thing because they want to see how this fucking author is going to wrap up this goddamn bullshit. He's written himself into, I cannot honestly believe that someone is reading this and going, you know what? This is still just as fucking good as I, as I first read it first place. Fuck one piece. Good God. Yeah.
1: So yeah, uh, hearty recommendation for uh, Promised Neverland. It, it, it's going to be some weird stuff, but I think the overall tension and storytelling is worth it. Uh, fuck soma at this point. Yeah. If you, if you haven't gotten on board yet, get off now, because at the, yeah, if you try right. to... You'll, you'll be compelled out of sheer confusion to follow this train wreck to the end, and I don't think it's worth it, because while the sheer lunacy of the way the storyline is going might give you a moment of what the fuck at the whole, at the point at this point, it's just boring. Yeah. It's, it's simultaneously too ludicrous to be invested in the drama and too boring to enjoy the insanity. Like, I don't think except, except for the worst parts of it. I don't think Jojo ever got boring.
0: No, Jojo was like, Jojo has been always Interesting. Even if you you don't like what's happening, you can't deny that what's happening is either visually or in terms of the story, fucking cool. Or at at the very least, ludicrous enough to be funny. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, that, that has always been Jojo's strength. Jojo's strength, be it writing or whatever. Like like in any situation, JoJo's strength has always been, yo, check this shit out Which you're gonna sell yourself on something there are worse things to sell yourself on than yo, check this shit out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, mean, I, just wanted to get my thoughts on Soma. At this, I'm not going to talk about Soma again until it's over. At this point, uh, if I'm still on this podcast when that happens, I'm not sure I will be because it seems to be dragging itself through the, through the freaking
0: grate. Now, watch next chapter is the last one. <laughs> huh. Yeah, just, I would welcome it's, it it's, at it's this good, point. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a panel of, oh no, oh no, your fucking buddy lost his fight. Well, I'm mad now. Go up to go to the, go up to go to the final fight instantly beat him and then the last like fucking 15 pages of the chapter are just the wrap up epilogue of and then I went back and took over the family diner Erina came with me I don't know why she did but hey, whatever we had kids I don't know how that happened
1: yeah but whatever so do you have anything new to talk about before I finish my list
0: um not new in the sense of like stuff that has anime out now
1: so not season new
0: no, not season new. All my stuff is... It's all manga again.
1: All right. Well, I'll get the rest of my list over so you can get through your manga. Um, okay, so I want to get this one out of the way first so, so I can be sad. Uh, I got... I made the mistake of getting hooked on a manga that only releases a chapter every three months. Woo! So, Isaac. Or, as I like to call it, Samurai Snipers in Medieval Germany. <laughs>
0: So is it samurai swords with sniper scopes or samurai with sniper rifles?
1: Samurai with sniper rifles in medieval Germany.
0: That seems like a poor idea. (laughs) Just snipers need to be quick and quiet and be able to move into weird positions. Samurai armor? Not conducive to that.
1: Yeah, well, samurai armor is still lighter and easier to move in than medieval German armor.
0: Fair, but I'm just I'm just picturing the visual of just like yeah. of like a shot rings out. It's like fun sniper. There he is you see you see a, a full on samurai just with a sniper rifle moving through like fucking muddy fields. Yeah, yeah that would be pretty funny.
1: <laughs> so continuing with the history trend, I guess I have to talk about some history stuff also because while this is a fantasy series, it borrows a lot from real history. So. uh... First and foremost, it's set in uh, the area that became Germany in the year 1630. It's not actually Germany yet. It wouldn't be Germany for another 250 years, but it's in that area. So so you know where it is. Okay. Um, It's also during the the Thirty Years' War.
0: Oh. So yeah, you you saying any of these history things and then pausing for effect. I I don't know shit about history.
1: Okay, so at the uh at the 30 years war uh ran from the end of the 16th century to a few years into the no, start of the 17th century to like the middle of the 17th century. So from like 1618 to 1648. And, um, basically just every Catholic and or, and or Protestant and or related country went to war with each other for 30 years. Okay. And, and the German territories were weird because some of them were Catholic and some of them were Protestant. So it was kind of your best bet, pick, pick your religion and find a castle that sticks with it. (laughs)
0: oh god fucking history is ridiculous
1: yeah and at the same time this was also um leading so like i said so this is 1630 so while it hasn't happened yet we're getting close to a period that was called the little ice age which was so from 1645 to 1750 uh The sun almost never came out for 70 years. Christ.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Like, it was a, was like a reason for that or just like, like dark, was dark ages more literal than I thought it was? Uh, this was still I think that yeah this was still,
1: no this was during the renaissance so the dark ages had already technically ended. Okay but, so the darkness uh, was late. Yeah. <laughs> what technically the reason is um it's not immediate made immediately clear uh, why this happened but there's a lot of suggestions that maybe for some reason solar radiation was just significantly lower than normal levels for 70 years
0: oh god oh.
1: so basically so basically from 1645 to 1715 odds were crops were going to be scarce and short-lived
0: We're finally out of the regressive dark ages. Now everyone can starve to death. Enlightened.
1: So just giving, I just had to go into all that to give you a context for how fucked this area was at this point.
0: Oh yeah. Now we got, now we got fucking samurai running around fucking shooting people.
1: Yeah. And I was getting to that. So we, we are first introduced to the, our main samurai Isaac, whose Japanese name is Isaku. Uh, That's a trend that's going to happen, that the two Japanese characters in Journey we follow the most have Japanese names, but they often go around with English-sounding names. One of them gets away with it a little better. His enemy is named Renzo, but he just calls himself Lorenzo and styles himself as a Spaniard. Okay. Even though he's Japanese. But... um. So we meet these two uh, Protestant villagers trying to get to a local castle to them, protect themselves from bandits when, you know, uh, any, as in any story like this, it starts with a good attempted rape.
0: Yeah, you know, like you do. It's the past. It was awful.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it just unfortunately for the bandits, they tried to rape this girl within spitting distance of the sleeping samurai, Isaac who wakes up annoyed that he has to stop this rape first thing in the morning and then just beheads the guy who was trying to do the rape and who thinks that if he pulls out a sight, he'll be faster than a
0: samurai sword.
1: <laughs> well, it, I mean, it did to out. be
0: fair, would he have known what a samurai was? No, no. So you can't blame him.
1: But I would still think... Uh, it, it, I'm just... I'm probably uh, contributing too much to this guy. He seemed rather dumb, but I think anyone... Most people who would use a weapon that big would be smart enough to keep to not do it at point blank range.
0: Well, I it I would not put it past (laughs) that because even today when people know what guns are, they still feel the need to get into melee range with guns. Yeah,
1: that's stupid.
0: Yeah, people are stupid.
1: Yeah, and if you and if you like this guy
0: who didn't even feel who didn't even like who didn't even fucking check corners before trying to rape somebody. Just like rule, I feel like rule one of rape is do it without other people around.
1: Yeah, except your buddies who are there for the rape.
0: Yeah, like if if it's if it's a gang thing, then then it's like yo, fucking, all right. Well, we're doing this. You on fucking guard duty, check the corners, make sure this place is fucking clear.
1: Yeah. So after this, uh, Isaac sort of agrees to. Escort these two to the local castle because that's where he was going to. He was a mercenary who had fulfilled, who had signed a contract with the the castle lord's older brother. So even though most of the uh, other mercenaries who were asked for by this castle didn't show up because they knew, oh shit, we're about to be attacked by an army of 5,000 heavily armed Spanish soldiers. Uh, Isaac showed up because... Basically, he's using his mercenary time just as an excuse to look for Renzo, for Lorenzo, so he can kill him and reclaim the other sniper rifle, because it's revealed at the end of the first chapter. Which each of these chapters is 150 pages long.
0: Christ! <laughs> you might have you could have led with that. I felt like you buried the lead a little yeah. bit. Sorry.
1: I, it's just there's a lot of details to the story. I wanted to mention before I get to the fact that these chapters are absurdly long.
0: <laughs> these chapters are half a volume.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which is why I'm curious how long because the first volume apparently has four chapters in it. Oh, so is that my. basically already an omnibus?
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> when when the series all wraps up, you actually, in the in the in the actual omnibus it's going to be two volumes of fifteen thousand pages each.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I guess I'll just get into the war stuff. Uh, so, the the detail they like to focus on is that this sniper rifle that Isaac is using was forged by a samurai black s- sword blacksmith. So, and it seems to have more a longer effective range than flintlocks of the time. So, whereas most flintlocks have range of maybe 150 feet, this one can go up to five or six hundred. Oh, dip. Yeah. So because of that, and this is all, and I always worry about this because I'm, it always seems like it's kind of a gamble to build your story around this. A lot of the wins that he, cause of course, you know, legendary samurai, one guy shows up and somehow changes the course of the war. A lot of the ways he wins as a sniper are through fear tactics. Uh-huh. Like in the case of, uh, the first episode, the first chapter, uh, much better, much more heavily armed, much bigger army shows up, led by a cat, a uh, not catastrophic, um, charismatic uh, general who um, confidently uh, leads his army, and after several rounds of slaughtering the men at the front gate, sort of crowds up to take the surrender. At which point, while he's still like four or five hundred feet away, Renzo just shoots him at which point the army scatters because their general was just shot dead outside of effective rifle range. Hmm. And I'm not sure how I feel about that kind of storytelling because to some extent, some of the times they kind of sell it a little better. Like um, one time when they're facing a much bigger army who they know they can't scatter in the same way, what they do is uh, they use him... To scare the shit, because the this this guy's a a pompous prick, the the this uh Holy Roman Emperor Prince, Holy Roman Empire Prince who shows up with his army of Spanish soldiers to kill this guy. Yeah. Uh, he and they like to go to the established... If I die, you all have to fight to the death on the field for the sake of my honor. So he assumes from that that he will never be in danger. So what they specifically have the cypher do is shoot out that guy's horse. And then shoot other people around him to scare the shit out of him. Because if he kills him, they have to fight to the death against an entire army that will just slaughter them. But if they scare him the shit off, then the army doesn't have to feel compelled to fight to the death because their lord died.
0: Yeah, that makes a bit more sense. Like. The whole, it's I, I kind of understand like the logic that they are putting behind it. It's like I cut the head off the snake and the fucking body was bad, but like it's
1: it's it's still kind of working a little. It it still feels a little well. That's convenient, yeah. Like there's a chain of, of
0: command for a reason, yeah. Specifically, so things like this don't happen.
1: Yeah. Now, granted, during it, I can understand it a little bit more during the Thirty Years' War because largely these were armies of mercenaries. Rather than like national armies, uh-huh. so the chain of command might be not as strong, but there is still a chain of command. Yeah. So I don't. Some some of the some of the scenarios they've introduced, I buy a little better than others, but it's I I just for the sheer weirdness of samurai snipers in medieval Germany, I'm still reading it. Okay. And like the art's pretty good. Uh, kind of reminds me of. Um, kind of black lagoon just not as rough that that same like character design sensibilities and like like normal looking people just in grotesque scenarios as it were okay so yeah i still i would recommend this but there are only seven chapters out and the last one was released two weeks ago so it'll be a long time before chapter eight comes out okay Alright, so the only other thing I really have that I think is worth talking about is um, I just read this while I was waiting for you, actually. Um, my daughter became an S-ranked adventurer.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. So this is not an Isekai story. It's a fantasy story but and with adventurers, but it's just a fantasy story. There's no, like, I'm from another world type shit.
0: Okay. That. Yeah. That would have been I don't know. I'm still I'm still a I'm still a stupid, stupid sucker for Isekai. I have no idea why. Just every once in a while I'll just fucking go onto like manga decks or manga life and just go, oh no, let's check what's happening in the Isekai tag. Oh, the same twelve stories I've read. Oh hey, this one looks worse than all of them. Let's read it.
1: Yeah, there's probably a lot of that. But um so, as far as I can tell, uh, there's only six chapters of this out so far, but what base, so the main, uh, t- there are two main characters. One, Belgreave, the, uh, father character, who was a, was the lowest ranked adventurer possible for a while, who got his leg bitten off in a fight with a dragon, at which point he said, Yeah, I'm going to retire.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good way to retire. Just fucking, <laughs> you pop in. I was like, All right, yeah, hey guys, um, Legs gone. I'm done.
1: Yeah, but he uh, at that point um, spent the next eight years uh, basically just protecting his home village and short of by coincidence, growing the skills that would have made him a great adventurer just by protecting this village. But he had already long since given up being an adventurer. He was just content to essentially be a hunter and forager. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe teach the occasional village children stuff that would help them survive. At some point, uh, eight years after he started doing this, uh, he finds a baby in a crib in the middle of the woods. <laughs> He's like, uh, well, shit, well, I, if I leave it out here, it's going to get eaten. But I'm not her dad, so what am I supposed to do here? And at which point, him being the good person he is, he does take the baby home and raises her as his own daughter. Uh, teaches her his sword skills, which she grows and she grows to idolize his strength and his courage and his approach to helping people. And so, after after she shows how capable she is, he eventually agrees to help to send her off willingly to become a actual professional adventurer. At which point, she ra- becomes one of the highest ranked adventurers in the world.
0: <laughs> like instantly or is it like a flash forward kind of thing?
1: No, like over the court. Yeah. flash, flash forward. Uh, how was it? 12 years. So yeah. So it's not super quick.
0: Yeah. A bit more reasonable growth.
1: Yeah. And, um, and this is where the kind of comedic element comes in. Um, the daughter having achieved the highest rank possible and financial stability and world renown, uh, wants to go home, see her father, and tell her how good he's do- she's doing, and see-, see him be proud of her, and enjoy his time again. But shit keeps happening. <laughs> like, the first chapter, uh, about halfway in, when um, she's packing up her bags to go home, when someone says, oh god, a wyvern is attacking a local village, who will save us? And she's like, nope, not gonna do it. There's a perfectly good adventurer guild in there. It's like they've been wiped out already. Who will save us? It's like, no, not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. Please, someone else was like, oh, fuck, oh, fucker.
0: <laughs> All right, fine. I'll save your stupid, stupid town, you fucking assholes.
1: Yeah, and even then, she's still so angry about it that uh, after she beheads the the wyvern, uh, her partner's like, "Well, that was awesome. Are you okay? Everything great now, right?" At their she's still so mad. They're afraid to approach her because she's literally just sitting there in front of the dragon, using her sword to turn it into (laughs) mincemeat.
0: Well, I mean, Hey, free pot pies.
1: (laughs) And after six chapters, this has just kept happening. Like, uh, one time, uh, she started planning. Uh, she started the secondary prep for the vacation again, just to be attacked by an army of giant fire ants. Uh, the third time, she actually used uh, accepted a mission to escort uh, merchants across uh, across a significant portion of the country, which would lead her fairly close to where she needed to be to see her father. Uh, just to have the, the one of the daughters of the local lord be attacked by bandits, and she had to escort them back. <laughs> so this just the shit just keeps happening to the point where, in the most recent chapter, she just goes to see uh, her guild master and says, "Dude, what the fuck." <laughs> <laughs> Why are there so few people even close to doing the kinds of... Like, I know I'm capable, but there should be other people as capable other than just my party. The, the, all of the tasks in this country should not literally be in the hands of three adventurers.
0: Yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. <laughs> does he have an explanation or does something else happen before he can explain?
1: Uh, His explanation is, look... The situation is abnormal even by the standards of weird monster shit. So, And it's becoming so dangerous that it's becoming hard to get people with actual talent who want to keep putting up with the shit on a regular basis. So unless we can get really strong people under contract or we can get someone to train a bunch of really strong people, we can't really do anything. And, I mean, I'll work on it, but fingers crossed. <laughs> at which point she... The, If she punches him, she loses her guild contract, which she doesn't want to do because that's her payment method. But she destroys his front desk, (laughs) which is made of marble. Yeah, seems fair. And yeah, it's just... (laughs) Not much other than that has happened so far. I mean, we've seen the occasional person go meet uh, her father based on the stories because, of course... Her being a little daddy's girl, she constantly tells everyone about her father is. how his part father must be one of the greatest heroes of all time because apparently he just never told her that she she quit when he he quit when she was he was an E rank villain superhero <laughs> uh, adventurer. So people keep coming up assuming that he's like one of the greatest adventurers of all time since she she keeps talking him up and he keeps doing just enough good shit that people think all the stories she tells are true and he can't really do anything to discredit them because he loves his daughter too much. He's like, fuck it.
0: (laughs) All right. I'll fucking kill your dragon or whatever.
1: I mean, he never, as far as I've read, he's never left the village. Like he's still (laughs) just the guy at the village helping out the local kids and occasionally a visitor. But given what they're talking about with someone being good, training people in the future, generations that might go that way, but I don't know. Yeah. But it's kind of charming, in it's, like, fantasy story where it just... It's a D&D campaign where there seems to be no set story. It's just shit keeps happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've run a couple of those.
1: So I'm kind of enjoying it for, you know, a basic fantasy series. And at this point, if I do more isekai, I might have to be, like, old isekai. Like stuff that was like trapped in a com- you came to another world from like like the 90s where the tropes were not the same so that I might not <laughs> feel as burned out by it was there a lot of east guy back then there were some uh one i'm kind of curious about is called L hazard where uh it's it's one of the it, it's one of those 90s things which is like a merger of sci-fi and fantasy tropes where uh these two science geniuses from modern times end up in a medieval fantasy, a kind of like ancient fantasy world. So they're constantly doing like advanced science shit to deal with magical fantasy shit. And they also have these three priestesses that master one of the three, one of the elements helping them on their quest. So it's a bunch of nineties anime tropes and it has what might be one of the cheesiest, 90s opening themes I've heard in a long time, partially because uh, Nozomi Entertainment has posted the entire series on for free on YouTube. Oh, if you go to their page, and so you can see for yourself if you like it or not. And um, it's it was from that era where I'm glad this is over, but it's kind of funny to look back on, on now, where anime intro songs were dubbed. <laughs> I mean, some of them work. But most of them don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd imagine that would be. I'd imagine that would be rough. And
1: I, I, I kind of want to try to find the the six episode OVA that inspired the longer television series, just to see if that's any good. That one's harder to find because it's not licensed. But the uh, the the actual television series seems perfectly fine. Just as like a way to do isekai without being trapped with all the shitty isekai tropes, I'm sick of with the modern shit. Uh huh. Like you, you get what I'm saying?
0: No, yeah, no, I totally do.
1: Yeah. So I I might watch a few episodes of El Hazard for the next series to see if that's worth actually recommending because that seemed because like that's that's at least like guy oriented isekai shit because the problem with a lot of isekai shit in the '90s is a lot of it's shojo oriented.
0: Which, yeah, I could see that.
1: That could go either way. Some of it's good, some of it isn't.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, um, I would recommend reading. Uh, my my daughter became an S rank hero. All right. Cool. Although, although speaking of S ranked hero, did you read the newest chapter of Goblin Slayer: Brand New Day?
0: Yes, I did.
1: I can't tell if I like the hero or not.
0: We need to see more of her, because so far what we've seen her in was the last page of, la- last page of like a, a proper goblinslayer chapter, as a side character and fucking like seven year old in year one, and with what felt like half a chapter of a regular manga in brand new day. So I can't actually yeah. get a grip on who she is or if I find her annoying yet.
1: Yeah, like. I will say, at the, up to this point, she is a bundle of tropes that usually annoy me, so that's not a good sign.
0: Yeah, but I. And,
1: but also, but also the timeline seems really weird because it feels to me like uh, the most based on what happened in the most recent at main mainline Goblin Slayer manga, the brand new day story is tied into what's about to happen. Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah, it seems like it.
1: Speaking of which, I loved that the way the mainline Goblin Slayer manga started with uh, the the Sword Maiden just pouting like a little girl in her <laughs> bedroom with her with her head maiden just like, oh for fuck's sake, get up!
0: Yeah, you're the fucking pope. Stop acting like a fucking high school student. Fucking write him. I don't know. Just get the fuck dressed. You have church. For fuck's sake, yes,
1: I get it. Goblin Slayer Senpai noticed you. Now act like a fucking adult.
0: (laughs) Good God, woman.
1: But I kind of appreciated that kind of humor.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it was a nice little humanizing moment for this character who has so far not really had a whole lot of hey, I'm just a person.
1: Yeah. So yeah, uh, so, yeah, that's it for me.
0: Yeah, and it's one of the funny bits of just seeing Goblin Slayer just not doing Goblin shit and just kind of hanging out with the other adventurers.
1: Yeah, and like how it's just become routine for all of them to take the shit out of the tropes that make up his character. It's like where Elf is like, look, don't have your whole conversation be, Is that so? I see. Hmm. You have to say something other than those three phrases when you're talking to people.
0: <sighs> I see. Like, <laughs> or like, or like him giving the fucking paladin dating advice related to goblin hunting.
1: Yeah, like he 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 finds a way to use goblin hunting as a way to explain an approach to dating someone within your own party.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's just sitting there thinking, looking at fucking ber- like berserker armor, which is just the joke about female armor in RPGs.
1: Yeah, which they keep making, and I appreciate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And then Goblin Slayer shows up. It's like, it's like, when goblin hunting, it's better to change up your tactics in order to, get, or to keep in order to keep things like, like whatever. It's like maybe try approaching him in civilian clothing. He's like, huh?
1: I literally like, well, never thought of that. Yeah, it's like, wait, that's. Oh, okay, that actually makes sense.
0: <laughs> oh, shit! Thanks, Goblin Slayer. And actually, in, in year one, we actually finally got like his. We got his, we got the first mention of his actual name. We got the first mention of Goblin Slayer in year one.
1: Oh yeah, uh huh. And I, but I also liked that storyline with, and um, uh, was it was it year one where they had uh, uh, the flirt Paladin and um, the gruff uh, Captain character go on a quest with him, and they're just like this awkward buddy crop trio that's just really funny to watch as their styles don't mesh at all.
0: That feels like a brand new day thing.
1: Okay, that must have been brand new day. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was brand new day. It was chapter six and six and a half. The one that ends with goblins are just going after they find this uh, this uh, necromancer who they're having trouble killing. It's like, why don't we just drop him from the top of the tower? They're like, no, oh, that might work. And they just, just like, pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's dead. Flat as a pancake.
0: <laughs> Excuse me, there are goblins to hunt. Oh man. Cobblers are so fucking good.
1: Yeah. Shame about the anime.
0: Yeah, that 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 that. <laughs> so anyway. So your stuff? Speaking of jokes. And speaking of fucking goofs and what have you like like in fucking my daughter's S-Rank adventure, uh Mr. Villain's Day Off.
1: Okay.
0: So picture if you will, what would happen if one of the more serious Power Rangers villains took a personal day.
1: Like a Lord Zed type or a astronomer type.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like like the whole the whole of the story is in this world, there are beings that are that are like working towards the destruction of humanity so that they can claim the world as their own. But five color-coded people have risen up to stop them. And the leader is constantly in battle with these guys. But not today, it's his day off. And so it is a guy with, like, you know, with, like, long black hair, deem- like, fucking elf pointy ears and jagged teeth, just hanging out at the zoo, watching the TV, going grocery shopping. Okay. And that's kind of just the joke. The series is... The series is like, you know, mini chapters that are released, released relatively quickly, so it's just kind of really snappy. This is the joke, let's move on.
1: That's like like clever dialogue jokes as it were.
0: No, more more Oh, he's oh, he's the leader of an evil army. You oh, wouldn't expect him to do this.
1: More more just situational comedy shit.
0: Yeah, like like one like one of the first things is he goes to the zoo cuz he likes pandas. Okay. So he goes and he just kind of hangs out, and then runs into the Red Ranger. And the Red Ranger's like, "Red Ranger's like, i like, like, what are you doing here? I'll stop you." And he's just like, "You're lost, aren't you? Trying to go to the Lizard House? Hey, yeah, come on, I'll show you the way." And it leads him to the Lizard House. They have a nice date at the zoo, and then goes back to the Panda and he goes back to the Panda exhibit.
1: Okay.
0: Or, or it's like, hey, it's a day off. I'm like, I'm gonna go to the, I'm gonna go to the convenience store, check out that new ice cream, check, buy the ice cream I'm being to buy. Wait, it's not here, but it's always here. Motherfucker. I'll just get this. Get, gets the ice cream and that's in his place. But then it cuts to the point of view of the sto- of the clerk working at the convenience store, sees him come in, and sees him look disappointed in the ice cream tray. It's like, oh, we just changed our flavors. Must have missed out on the flavor he wanted. I'll recommend one of our new flavors. And then recommends him the flavor he got. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty all right. Or he's hanging out at home, and he begins freaking the fuck out because something humans did, and then he sees on TV that oh pandas, so he calms down a lot. He's like, "When we destroyed the world, we must we must save the pandas." And that's the series. It's just it's just very simple.
1: It sounds like a four coma series.
0: It almost is. If the art was a if if like the if the paneling was a bit different, like it's paneled and drawn like a real manga. But it, it feels almost similar to the way of the house husband.
1: Okay, it, you hear about that one? I think
0: yes. Yeah, so the way of the house husband is about the is about a stereotypical, like hard as nails, fuck like hard as fuck, uh, yakuza, becoming a home becoming a stay at home husband, and just the situation that comes from that personality type. Being a being just like a regular old being house a stay husband, at like,
1: home, a stay at home, stay at home house husband.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, like he goes out. Like he goes out one day and it's like, yeah. So he yeah, has so I'm heading out. Like he goes out to the fucking grocery store or whatever, and on his way, and he's like talking about herbs and stuff. So and cops here over here him and it's like, oh yeah, he's going to do. He's going to do a fucking drug deal, and then, and they stop him and he tries to like threaten them off just by his personality, but then he ends up missing the sale on vegetables he was really looking forward to.
1: This sounds like it should be like a One Punch Man spinoff.
0: The weirdest thing about House Husband, though, it is drawn so. Oh fuck! Oh god, I'm gassy as hell right now, and I don't know why. But it is drawn so fucking well. Okay. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can send you some like images of it. But it is a kind of gorgeous series that I feel like they should. That I feel like this artist should be working on more substantial stuff. Okay. Cause it is yeah, I'm seeing if I can find a like good image to send you. It is really solid artwork that has a lot, that is a lot of personality, a lot of detail thrown <laughs> into it. That might not have been the best image to send, but I'm, like, working on a fucking budget here. Like a time budget.
1: Uh, yeah, that is kind of impressive for how little of stuff you're explaining happens in this.
0: And, yeah, like, Way of the house husband is... I mean, is- that could
1: be part of the joke, because, um... What was the series? Uh... uh Hinamatsuri, Hina part of the joke of that was... Yakuza and psychic people having everyday lives, which honestly, that's what this kind of reminds me of. Hinamatsuri,
0: yeah, but Hinamatsuri has like a more has like a, an emotional through line and a story. Okay, this doesn't. It just kind of is. Hey, here's a random happening. In the day of the life of a Yakuza house husband, and his wife is the character they managed to actually put into this. Cause he is, he is like genuinely into this shit. Like, like he, like he goes like bargain hunting and he takes it fucking seriously. Some dudes stop him and he gets like Yakuza pissed at them. He like, he like is really into cooking. He takes like regular cooking classes. His wife is like super into anime. And it's like, one of the things that he does is he, he ends up like, he fucking throws out he, – he essentially assassinates – like Yakuza executes the Roomba because it knocks over one of his wife's anime figurines. Huh. And that's the thing. Okay. Like, like, There is no story in this. There is no plot to actually keep it coming back. It's just here is, a, here is a snippet of what is happening in this guy's life at this given moment. And it's the kind of thing that I don't read regularly. But when I read it, I enjoy what I read, which is kind of a which is kind of a, a different feeling than what I get from when I read a uh, Mister Villain's Day Off. Because Mister Villain's Day Off, I am just hey, there is something here. There is just not enough effort put into the actual jokes or setups or anything. It's just, hey, here's an everyday situation. But the bad guy is like Lord Zedd from Power Rangers. Ooh, are you fighting? you funny. Hey, fucking laugh, you bitches. Whereas with House Husband, it's a similar kind of setup of, oh, here's an every situation, but the guy doing it's a yakuza. But they in but they but they put in a bit more character, a bit more flavor, and the artwork really kind of kicks it up above like a like up a notch. So Those two series. Moving on from there, um Ane Mono. Okay. This is one that is is actually kind of similar to the one to the two I just talked about, where Every chapter feels kind of the same. But with the more recent stuff, they seem to be actually developing a plot and developing like an actual way forward with this, which they technically kind of had from the beginning, but didn't really do a whole lot with. So the idea with it is there's this kid. His name is you. And he his life fucking sucks. Uh, his parents died when he was really young, and they just started getting bounced around from fucking family member to family member. Each family member. Vocally in front of the child saying, essentially, I don't want you here. Why the fuck won't you leave? And recently, his most recent guardian, his uncle, also fucking died. And so he's just kind of waiting for his family to come around and say, all right, here's where we are going next. or Or they've officially abandoned him. I don't know. I don't really know how emancipation works in Japan or what age you are legally allowed to live by yourself.
1: Um, you're considered an adult at 16, but I'm not sure if you're ever – emancipation is something entirely different. I think technically even when you're old enough to live on your own, you're still not technically free from the bounds of your family. It's sort of like an allowed thing.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not super familiar with the situation there, but –
1: Yeah, the, but the, I mean the legal system in Japan is weird. I've, I've gone on enough historical tangents already today. Yeah. Let's just keep going. But
0: anyway – so he, so after his uncle dies, uh, he begins kind of looking through stuff, just trying to just trying to like find some stuff for, for like funeral or what or whatever, and he goes into the basement of a warehouse that that is kind of on his on his, da- on his uncle's property that he was told never to go into. He goes down to the bottom of it and awakens a big old fucking demon, but it's demon in the sense of, oh, it's a hot lady with some monster bits on her. She's got like, you know, horns and like goat legs and eyeballs in her cleavage, which is massive. Okay. Sure. But yeah, so then yeah, so then she uh, she is like she begins doing like the Faustian thing of like, "Hey, I'll grant you wishes." And then his wish is kind of instantly, "I wish you were my big sister." And then from there it kind of goes as they just begin living life together but it is all incredibly sexual. Is that a good thing? Not really. Cuz the whole thing was I wish you were my family. Now let me just fucking jizz on you while you're cleaning my ears. Cuz the way okay. the, the way it's drawn, the way they just the way the the way the author describes it and the way it all just fucking goes, it all Reads like porn. Okay, but there is this, but there is this like real sense of heart into it. Like, like the dude, he, the dude is drawing it. It's like he's writing really wholesome porn. Okay, which I know, I know, it sounds like an oxymoron, but it—that's what it feels like. Well, it feels, I mean, it feels even, like there is even, like actual heart in this. They feel like there is a real sense of relationship developing between these people.
1: Yeah, well I mean the the thing is and this I feel like this has to be unpacked at some point. There's a there's a there's a stigma in the west that stuff that has pornographic elements like overt sexual content or sexualization can't have can't tell stories or at least not stories outside of a certain type.
0: Oh, I I know it can.
1: It's, but, like, from a Western perspective, we don't think of that. When we think of porn, we think of, oh, no, I have nothing to pay for this pizza with. Maybe you should have sex with me or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, I want this big truck. Maybe put your penis in my butthole.
1: Yeah. So, I don't it, – it can be done, and I kind of appreciate stuff that's hentai-esque, that's well-written. It's just the problem sometimes with hentai stuff that's well-written is that you then get annoyed when hentai-type stuff, stuff derails the plot.
0: Yeah. Porn, like, get out of uh, here. I'm here for the story.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, Brawl and, Brawl and Go, I kind of stopped reading for a while just because I got sick of the fact that they were having the main character literally be possessed by his own lust. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah.
1: Like, I still kind of like the story, and maybe after I've... A couple chapters have happened, and that story's over. I'll come back to it. But it's one of those things where the stuff I was coming to for it were not what this, the writer was coming to it for. And I've encountered that several times with Hentai, With try harder than they should. Where it feels like the things I like about it are not the things that the writer likes about it. Yeah. I think I just summed up Shyamalan's career.
0: Yeah, pretty much. But with, with this series, um, they... Like you get, you get the sense this kid is profoundly lonely, and sure, and like seeing him, seeing seeing like somebody genuinely care for him is it all? It always feels heartfelt. It always feels like they. It always feels like the author is going for serious emotion in those scenes. And the demon that he summoned, she is super down for this. She like genuinely loves being this kid's older older sister. Okay. And as it is now we're starting to get more into there is a story happening because a second demon is introduced. And that was the most was recent crazy. chapter where I left off and she I don't know what the deal is with her yet or if there will or if I ever will find out because I might not ever read this again. But yeah, it's a very Wholesome borderline it's borderline porn. Because it is it is written in it is written in the style of porn, but with nothing actually sexual happening.
1: Se- sex stuff hasn't happened, it just looks like sex stuff should happen.
0: Yeah, it's like, hey, you want to see a dude get tentacles in his ear? No. Well too fucking bad, buddy. Oh, oh! it's, it's these, it's the, this is, this is a thing that I'm not 100% sure I understand, where, like, ear cleaning is, like, a service that, like, made, like,
1: Yeah, that, that's a thing. I know it's a thing in Japan. I've never understood it.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's, that's that situation that happens here, where he, where, like, the two of them are, like, hey, let's clean each other's ears and stuff. It'll be fun. And... Then he begins cleaning her ears out, and then she starts squirming around like she's get like she's about to fucking come. And then it's like, all right, yeah, your turn. And then she starts using the weird little wand thing. I was like, oh, that's oh, ticklish, yeah, it's tough. And then all of a sudden, her hair turns into her like tiny feeler tentacle things that it usually does, and begins going in there and like digging. And then he is like about to about to fucking just himself, which is like all right, and done.
1: Okay, it's
0: it's, it's fuck it fucking it is a weird it is a weird fucking thing.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it.
0: Yeah, and then moving on from that, uh, three sky series because fuck me, I'm stupid.
1: <laughs> oh, dead man.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, so I guess I'll start with the potentially most interesting one. Um I have no idea what the fucking full name of this thing is and it cuz it is long and Japanese as fuck. So I'm just going to call it Class Got Isekai. And the story of this is like 3 years ago or some number some time ago, a middle school class got transported to another realm. The entire class got se- got teleported over there. All of them got like super dope awesome magic abilities. So they could do fucking big dick awesome shit over in this other world. Problem is one kid from that class didn't get teleported over cuz he was just a couple of inches outside of the magical circle.
1: Right. Okay. No no, you know the title of this cuz I told you what it is. Uh everyone got transported to another world except me.
0: Yeah. And and yeah, and, and it's him living in the real living in the regular world but with isekai powers. As more and more magic shit starts happening and he just has to deal with it and this series is way more serious than i thought it would be
1: yeah like parts of it play into the obvious joke of its premise but it's taking itself more mostly seriously
0: yeah and that's the biggest missed opportunity with this thing cuz if this yeah, was I, if I, this was going for a more wacky thing cuz like one cuz like one of the fucking main things is that the main character is able to level up while sleeping <laughs> thus yeah. He always sleeps. Yeah. And that could be good for a joke. But they don't really this, play this, it like yeah, that. Yeah, ser-
1: the series is not really interested in telling jokes, except for the kind of tee hee haha jokes that are more indicative of the genre itself and not a parody of it, which is what I thought this was going to be.
0: Yeah, this just seems like a more straightforward. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, if this guy got East guy Powers, but, did, but it like, stayed here, what would happen? But like, like the actual serious version of that, which that's not what anybody's coming here for. That's
1: yeah, I didn't want that. I want also, to, of course, there's a brother Khan character again.
0: Yep, because everyone wants to fuck their brother.
1: Well, everyone wants to fuck her brother. <laughs> okay, like I'm dead fair. serious. In the context of this story, everyone wants to fuck her brother.
0: That is 100% fair. My bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like she does too and your joke still works. I'm just saying in the context of this story,
0: yeah, he is building a harem. <laughs> He's building a harem by taking naps. Yeah. And murdering terrorists. Is,
1: yeah, but it's not it's not creepy like SAO is, I guess. Mainly because she hasn't openly pursued it that much yet, and it's also not doing the SAO thing where it's pursued under false pretenses, which is just creepy. Yeah. But I'm still, like, I'm still sick of the Brocon shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's fucking, it's worn out. And creepy. Yeah. Which kind of makes it worse. The fact that we've gotten so used to people wanting to fuck their siblings that it's gotten boring. Yeah, that's not a good sign. It is not. That's yeah, that. Uh, moving on from there uh, to Master of Monsters.
1: Okay, I don't know this one.
0: So, Isakai. Fucking, fucking buddy, butthole. like lands in, lands in the thing. Lands with this entire class. Uh, but as he lands, only part of his class gets powers. And so the class is divided up into two separate teams. The exploration team and the stay-home team. The stay-home team is in charge of maintaining their maintaining their encampment, cooking, cleaning, laundry, all that shit. Meanwhile, the exploration team goes out gathers materials and finds out what the fuck is out there. Our main character is part of the stay-home team. As things have progressed, um, you know, the the team the, the two teams have kind of like gotten to this decent equilibrium where we're like, we're like the fucking exploration team. They go out and do all other stuff, but, and then coming back, the stay home team is able to maintain everything. And it's this nice little homeostasis where nobody is like being super overblown about like, yeah, we go out and fucking risk our lives. Fuck you people. You worship us now. Hasn't reached that. Then it reaches that as uh as a faction of the fucking exploration team decides to just kill everyone. And our main character almost dies, but luckily a fucking slime managed to find him and heal him because turns out he does have a power. And that power is monster taming. Just just randomly, he'll just be walking around and then a random monster will look at him and go, oh, you're my master now. Okay. <laughs> and so it is about him rolling around, gathering up a fucking posse to go wreck house of these motherfuckers. His main,
1: okay,
0: yeah. His main duo, kind of like his main monster companions right now, are a slime that that uh, ate the body of one of his dead classmates, and thus was able to assume her form and kind of her personality.
1: Okay, and thus he's able to fuck it. No, no.
0: And then a, Uh. then a sentient puppet.
1: Does he want to fuck the puppet, too?
0: The puppet wants to fuck him. But can't, because it's wooden.
1: That's never stopped someone before. Well, hey.
0: Well, it doesn't... I don't think it actually has a vagina, and if it were to try to make one, it would be very splintery. And then the most most recent chapter, a giant fucking spider lady kidnaps him and wants to fuck him. Yep, is bad.
1: Yeah, just go move on, please. I just wanted you to move on when we explained what was happening.
0: <laughs> All right, then. Final thing. Uh, Wartenia Senkai, or Senki.
1: Wartenia Senki. Okay, this one I've actually read, so this one I can actually have an opinion on.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, uh, with this one, um, fucking ancient martial arts god trapped in the body of high school student fucking Ryoma what's-his-dick gets someone to another world, and instantly uses his martial arts power to kill, like, 12 people.
1: Yeah, and it's discovered that, uh, unlike most, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, summoned to another world, soon, it's, he's not summoned by, like, a desperate group of people looking for a hero. They're essentially summoning slaves to help them.
0: Yeah, and this is a thing that has been going on for a while. One of the one of the secondary characters we meet later on is one of these guys who is full Uncle Tom. Yep. And then, meanwhile, and then later in a later chapter, uh, we learn that one of the people summoned over actually straight up just started a clan of ninjas. Yep. But yeah, so as he as he just kinda kills his way out and gets on gets on out there doing his own thing, uh he ends up freeing some slaves, twin sisters. Which the slave thing, that was real fucking easy to break. Yeah. Just like, hey, just like, hey person, do this one simple thing and we'll be your slaves instead of his. Yeah. Like that.
1: That was that does that does feel like this world would not allow such a simple way to like steal liter- literally steal the slaves right out from under you
0: yeah just Particularly no-
1: slaves that are like literally bred for combat
0: <laughs> yeah just like no input from their guy it would essentially be this is this is going to be real dehumanizing and i apologize for this but it would be like if somebody could just walk up and just like tap your car and then it's theirs
1: yeah or like that old joke I don't know if you ever saw this uh, Robin Williams sketch where he was making fun of what if people acted the way cats do. It's like, oh that's oh that's cool. That's mine, <laughs> mine. Nice carjack, mine now. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And so he gets these two slaves and then essentially begins building up himself as like a like a combat yeah, like specialist kind of, and conqueror.
1: Yeah, like he set himself up where like. I feel like hes he thinks that he needs to like reset the way the world works around him to have any hope of ever going home.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of... You know, it's,
1: it's not bad. Not a bad... Motivation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: not that concept for a thing. It's just, I... It's a thing that does bug me about these fucking series in how fucking easy and down to just murder people these kids are
1: yeah I mean this guy I was a little more okay with it just because he was raised by a psycho but
0: <laughs> but that kind of bugs me about it too because it is it is either is either they go over there and they're just fine with it or they were raised in modern-day Japan with a mindset that murder is cool
1: yeah no I do get I do get your complaint it's just in, in the case of this specific character, it doesn't bother me as much
0: as others. Yeah, what what do, what may bother me a bit, what bothers me a bit more, though, is how good he is at it. Yeah. Because he, he ends up in a room... He,
1: he, like, he's one of the ones who didn't get special powers from coming to a new world.
0: He yeah, his whole, yeah be, his whole thing is that he's just this good. Yeah. So he gets summoned into a room with a dozen armed guards and a couple of fucking magicians and kills them all. Instantly with his bare hands. He crushes dude's plate armor with his hand. And then just walks out. Just takes, just takes, just takes the guard's clothes and just leaves. Yep. Yeah, and it's weird because I
1: mean, I like I, I don't know if you've read up to date or not, but like the thing that I, I like the series better now because he's dealing with situations that are not as much him involved in direct combat, so there's less of a sense of him being as overpowered.
0: Yeah, he's now more in a leadership role where he where he is like I, where he is like seemed to there seems to be a an army, and it is less I'm going to go onto the battlefield and fucking wreck house, and more I'm going to. I'm going to use tactics.
1: Yeah, which I kind of appreciate because, like I said, if, if it was just direct combat, there'd be no threat because he's too he's too OP for someone who literally has no powers in a world with magical powers.
0: Yeah. But, like, as a character, I kind of like him. Like, he's, a, yeah, he's yeah. a decent guy when he's not in weird... when he's not in punch death mode.
1: Yeah. And, like, the worst thing you could say about him is that when he first realizes, oh shit, I now have, t- I now technically own two slaves, and it's like, can you girls just go? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I killed your master. Yeah, that sucks. The guy was kind of a dick, but I don't really want to be your master, so can't you just go?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they're super
1: not okay with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, 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 Slaves are, yeah, in these Sky stories, slaves are, really cool with being slaves
1: yeah particularly in this case women who were enslaved not like from birth but like because they were royals from another country that got fucked over by the people that helped them escape
0: yeah they they've been slaves for like two years and they're and they're just like yeah yeah i'll yeah i'll keep you a slave yeah that's cool yeah, don't worry about it dog
1: But yeah, I mean, as long as there's less him fighting people directly, I'm enjoying the series because this is kind of a decently made um, strategy sim.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is when when it is dealing more with the tactical strategy side side of things and more about like him actually going down the path of becoming a ruler and not just the best punch lord. It is interesting, and it is one of the more interesting Sky series kind of out there, but it occasionally does fall back into Ysukai tropes, which I am not a super fan of, because good lord, do I get enough of them? Yeah. Main thing I want back is fucking Exterminator.
1: Yeah, that hasn't updated in months.
0: It has not. Fuck, the wrong way to use healing magic is... Updated, uh, just updated again.
1: Yeah, but that's still, that's still fun.
0: Yeah, that's still like this was a really fun series, and it makes more sense that we when we get to see fucking that guy be Punch Lord.
1: Yeah, because he 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 served for a, at least a year as punching bag of Punch Lady.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And so, so he
1: just developed Punch Lord powers by surviving being punching bag for Punch lake.
0: Yeah, that, that's how Punch Lord. That's how Punch Lord uh, passes on. Once you have been punched enough, you become Punch Lord. Uh, that's all I got. Okay. Good Lord, I am gassy. But yeah, that's good enough for this week then. Thank God for joining yeah. us. We'll be back. I'm more of this shit. Until then, I'm dead. Not birdie. We will. See you guys next time. Getting real bad at ending these. We just kind of stop them now.